Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, church. And good morning to you who are watching us and listening to us on our GoToMeeting platform. I trust that you will be blessed and encouraged this morning as I share one of the most profound messages I've ever preached in my entire years of ministry. I have been teaching and preaching the gospel for 38 years this year. And though during the years I have preached some really powerful messages, I feel this is one of the most profound ones that the Lord has given me to share with you this morning. It will take me two Sundays to finish it, so we will commence today and we will finish next Sunday. The title of my teaching uh, this morning is Greatness in Every Believer. Greatness in Every Believer. And of course, the purpose of this message is to help us understand God's definition of true greatness as well as the process that God takes us through each one of us in order to release and to bring forth the greatness which he deposited in us when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. The greatness we are referring to this morning is not our own but it is the Lord's greatness in us which seeks to express himself through us as we walk by faith, releasing the treasure, literal treasure, which God deposited within us. The foundational scripture is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 7, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us through the Apostle Paul. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have the treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The treasure that God has deposited within us when we were born again far exceeds any earthly treasure, supersedes, far more excellent. It is the greatest treasure in the universe. And that treasure dwells in you and dwells in me. We are the most wealthiest 
and the most blessed people on the face of the earth. If we could only have a revelation of that. It will change the way we think. It will change the way we work. It will change everything about us. Amen? Now, the treasure Paul is referring here is none other than the risen and glorified Christ in us. That's the treasure that Paul is speaking about. The risen Lord, the glorified Jesus, the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave, and the one who is seated far above all, every name that is named, not only on earth, but also in heaven and under the earth. Colossians confirms this. And I want to read from Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, from the Passion Translation. Here again, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, says, Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ, embedded within us, becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for His people, and God wants everyone to know it. Do you see the words that he uses there? Heavenly treasure chest. Notice what the Spirit said through Paul. Christ embedded within us is a heavenly treasure chest. And God wants everyone to know about this treasure. It is not to be kept secret. It is not to be put under a table or under a bushel. Christ wants to be revealed and expressed through us into the world that we have influence over. And so God looks to his people, us, you and me, to do what? To show forth, to display, to release this treasure within us. And that's how they get to know about it. Amen? They cannot know once we keep it hidden. Amen? Are you with me? What an awful responsibility and what an awesome privilege that the Lord has entrusted us with. He entrusted us with His treasure and He gave us a mission to release, to display, and to express through us, through word and through deed, the wonderful treasure that He placed within us. Now, it is possible, though, for a born-again believer to live and die without ever releasing this treasure. Remains hidden. And without ever showing up on the world stage. And it was Dr. Miles Monroe who said that the richest place on the earth he said, are the cemeteries. Why? Because they filled with people who lived and died 
without living the life that God intended for them to live, without ever releasing the treasure, the gifting, the beauty, the fragrance that God deposited within them. They went to the grave without ever showing up or releasing the true greatness that God placed within them. Sad, but nevertheless, it's true, isn't it? Books that were never written, songs that were never sung, inventions that were never discovered, and lives that were never lived. You see, God's purpose for your life is that the greatness He placed within you and within me would find expression, would find release, so that that which is within us be released into this physical, natural realm in our spheres of influence. This would never happen, though, unless the outer man, the flesh, is subdued, crucified. The Scripture uses another word, unless the outer man is broken and humbled so that the treasure can find exit and release through the outer man. You see, we're speaking about the inner man here. God does not see as man sees. You know, you look at a person and you judge him by the physical appearance. Tall, short, handsome, ugly, fat, thin, young, old. God never looks at the outer appearance, but he looks at the heart. He looks at the inner man, the real you, the real man on the inside. But that man on the inside, before he finds release and expression, the outer man needs to be humbled. And that's why God takes us through a long process in order to humble us, to break the outer man, the outer shell, and slowly but surely release the fragrance of Christ, release the fragrance of the treasure that God deposited within us. And of course, this, this is what we will be discussing throughout this teaching as we define authentic greatness from God's perspective. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. John 15, verse 16. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And he also said, The works that I do, you shall also do, and greater works than these you will do, because I go to my Father. Difficult to believe those words, that we can do even greater works than Jesus did. That's what happens when the outer man is broken and humbled, and the inner man, the inner treasure that God deposited within us is released and finds expression you will find that you will even do in, in Christ greater works. Amen. 
So God desires to see greatness. The greatness He placed within us, displayed, expressed, released through His people, governing and influencing every sphere of our society. Amen. That's His intention, that we should govern through Christ Jesus, our spheres of influence, govern in our home, in our family, govern in our place of work, take control of the situation through the power and the treasure that Christ placed within us. Fill the atmosphere wherever you go with the fragrance and the beauty of Christ. Amen. So this is how the kingdom of God is extended and established on the earth, your earth, your world. So as we walk with the Lord in the Spirit, the goodness of God, the greatness of His Son, the treasure that He placed within us is released, touching lives and bringing wholeness and restoration. Now, in a few words, let me give you God's definition of true greatness. God's definition of greatness is not the same as the world's definition. In fact, it's the opposite. The world defines great someone who has talent, beauty, uh, gifting, and has achieved great things by himself and for himself. You remember Onassis? He built an empire by himself. The world considers such a person great. We see people today on the news, everywhere, flying into space because they have accumulated millions and millions of dollars. They don't know how to spend it and fly to the, uh, to the moon or somewhere. You know, the world considers such people great. But God's definition of greatness is very different. Greatness in the eyes of the Lord is measured by our ability to inspire and to influence others towards God and His purposes. I want to say that again because it's very important. Greatness in the eyes of the Lord is measured by our ability to inspire others and to help them turn towards God and towards His purposes. God measures the greatness of a person's life by the content of the character and how well they serve those whom God has given them to serve. It's important for us to understand that. Mother Teresa once said that one of the greatest diseases in the world is being nobody to anybody. Greatness, therefore, is not measured by talent or duration. Doesn't matter how long you live. It's what you do with your life that counts. God measures greatness by your donation. What have you done while you lived your life on the earth? Amen? 
What have we done with what God has given to us? With all the blessings, with the talents, the giftings, and most of all with the treasure that is placed within us, what have we done with it? Remember the faithful steward? He received five, he worked faithfully with that five, and he brought to the master another five. But the one who received one talent, he hid it in the ground. May we not be like that. May we be fruitful and multiply, not just physically, but spiritually. Amen. Greatness is found in what you do for others while you live your life here on the earth, exercising your God-given authority through your life's assignment. It's what you do for others. How well you serve them with the gift that God has given you, with the talent that God has given you, with the resources that God has blessed us with. The life of John the Baptist. John became great in the eyes of the Lord, Scripture says, because his life and his ministry turned many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God. John the Baptist never raised a dead person to life, but he raised a spiritually dead nation. Listen to how the Scripture defines greatness in relation to John the Baptist. It was spoken over his life, even from a very young boy, that he will turn many of the children of Israel to their Lord, their God. So the ability to influence others, as I have mentioned, towards God and his purposes is called greatness in the eyes of the Lord. Daniel 12, verse 3 says, Those who lead many people to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Folks, there's no greater miracle than helping someone come to Christ. Inspiring someone to turn to the Lord. Forty-five years ago, on this week, that's why when I come to July 31st and the first week of August, I get very emotional. You know why? Because I'm celebrating my spiritual birthday. But I thank God that someone literally took me by the hand in my darkest hour and say, you are coming to church with me tonight, and I'm not taking no for an answer. And he took me to a meeting, and there I gave my heart to the Lord. That was 45 years ago. It was a period of pain and darkness and hopelessness in my life. I reached the bottom of hopelessness. And in the dark hour, someone came as like an angel of the Lord sent and took me by the hand and guided me to a spiritual place 
where they worshiped God, they preached the word, and for the first time, I heard the gospel, and I believed the gospel, and my life overnight changed from darkness to light. Amen. Those who lead many people to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. You don't have to be a preacher to influence and inspire someone to turn to God. All you need to do is live the life. Walk in love. Be kind. Be generous. Be compassionate, patient long-suffering and forbearing. They will stand up and notice something different about you. And there will come a day when they will ask you, how come you're always so hopeful? How come you're always so positive? How come you always have a smile on your face? And then you have an opportunity to tell them and to share your faith with them. And hopefully, not everybody will listen. Amen? But some of them will. Just sow the seed. Jesus, teaching on the subject of greatness, he said the following in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see here, God measures the greatness of a person's life by his servant heart. Amen. Let's discuss for a few minutes the essence of true greatness. I believe that the essence of greatness is authenticity. Authenticity. In order to achieve greatness in the eyes of the Lord, one has to be an authentic person. Let me explain that. Authentic means to be real. It also means to be genuine. Another uh, word for authentic is original, not a copy, not pretending to be someone you're not. It also means to be authorized. An authorized person is an authentic person, is genuine, he's real. What you see is what you get. No masks, no pretense. And the opposite of the authentic person is one who is fake, one who is false, or unauthorized. So the essence of every person's greatness is found in their authenticity, meaning Authenticity is found in your God-given authority. What did God authorize you to do? You with me? That means being who God created you to be, 
and doing what God created you to do. That's an authentic person. Praise God. It is being comfortable with yourself and the way God made you. You don't have a problem with being you. Some people have a major problem with themselves. They don't like themselves. You know, uh, doctors will tell you that most people in the uh, psychiatric wards and mental institutions are people who hate themselves. They would rather be someone who they're not. Always comparing themselves with others. Are you comfortable in your skin? Do you like yourself? Do you like your company? Then you are an authentic person. <laughs> Amen? It's being who God created you to be and doing what God created you to do. So we need to come to that place in our attitude where we accept ourselves the way God made us and we actually like ourselves. Amen? John the Baptist was an authentic person. He was an original and far from being a copy or an echo of someone else's message. Amen? Today we have many ministers who are echoes, not voices of authority. They take somebody else's message, they make it their own, and they preach it. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Are you still with me? (laughs) Okay, he was unique. John the Baptist, he was unique in every sense of the word. He was unique in his diet. He was unique in his appearance. (laughs) Remember? His diet was eating wild locusts with honey. Dressed (laughs) in a camel skin. He was unique. He was an original. He could stand out <laughs> from a mile. And he was also unique in his message. He said, when they asked him, who are you? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's how he answered when it came to his identity. And you know where he found his identity? In the book of Isaiah. He found himself in the book. And that's where you and I are going to find ourselves in the Lord, in the book. What was written about you? You know that Psalm 139 says that God knew you before you were born, and he wrote a book about you and your life before you even got here. Are you with me? Isn't that exciting? That I don't have to create my own path. It's already been established for me. All I need to do is seek the Lord diligently until I find that path and walk in it. When I do, I'm divinely protected. I'm divinely provided for. I am blessed going out and I'm blessed coming in. Why? Because I am walking in the center of the will of God for my life. 
The safest place to be is in the center of the will of God for your life. Being who God created you to be and doing what God created you to do. That's the safest place. Amen. Not trying to be who you're not, but being comfortable as you find yourself in Christ the Lord. That was John's assignment. That was his life's purpose. And his entire life and ministry was dedicated to preparing people's hearts to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He went ahead of the Lord, preparing the way of the Lord, preparing the minds and hearts of people to receive Christ the Lord as he appeared on the scene. That was what God called him to do. And that's why I say he was an authentic and a genuine person in the multitude of hypocrites and copies. That's why his ministry attracted such a crowd. When people come to terms with who they are in Christ, I believe, and what they are called to do, naturally, without even effort, they become very influential, inspiring and leading others to God and His purposes. Just being yourself. Their lives always touch others and impart to them a fragrance that is unique and genuine. You know, a number of years ago, I was in the United States uh, ministering and I happened to stay in one of the Hamptons uh, hotels. And um, during my visit there, I came downstairs to have breakfast, and I watched a person, um, I watched the person just serving tables, just going about cleaning and serving tables. There was an attractiveness about that person. I thought to myself, there is a genuine person. You know, as she walked about serving and cleaning tables, the whole atmosphere just lit up with her attitude, with her smile. That was a genuine person. Amen? It was amazing. You may not think it was an important job, But to her, it was very important. She took her job very seriously with a smile, springing about, changing the whole atmosphere. Amen. Here is another definition of greatness. Greatness is found in what you are authorized to do in the Lord. Where are you going to find your greatness? Find out what God authorized you to do in life. I believe that God has given to every single one of us a unique and an authentic voice of authority in our generation. That authority that God has given to you and me is exercised through different ways. And of course, it depends on the person's calling, on the person's gifting, 
on the anointing and on our natural abilities. Amen? Those who come to Christ and into their own authority find their true voice in the Lord. As they begin to exercise their authority in their sphere of influence, lives are being touched, they're being blessed through them. There's something special about a person who is an authentic person, who's authorized to do what he does. But unauthorized people are very dangerous. Do you know that? As they, as they exercise their authority, it's a sheer joy and pleasure, I believe, watching someone do what they were born to do and live the life they were intended to live. How can I compare it? I believe it's like a song that is being sung by the most talented singer. Doesn't it bless you when you hear someone who is talented to sing and has an anointing? It just brings you straight into the presence of God. It is like a poem read by the most gifted and talented reader that blesses hearts, that turns them towards God and says, thank you, God, for this gift. Thank you, Lord, for this person. Amen. How do we find our own authority in the Lord? That's a big question. The temptation of becoming someone else rather than who we really are will always be there, especially if we are ignorant of our identity in Christ. When you don't know, anything goes. That's why we have many today, even in the church, they don't live life, they experiment. They try this, and then they try that, and then they try this. Some of them even go out and they say, I'm going to go out and find myself. They don't know who they are. Especially in our young generation today, we have a crisis of identity. That's why they fall into these destructive habits, false religions, because they don't know who they are. They don't know who God created them to be. And it's such a tragedy to lose ourselves and become what others want us to be or follow a path that is not our own is very common. The pressure upon our youngsters today to be somebody you don't have to be somebody. Just be who God created you to be. You don't have to be a, a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist. Just be a plumber, an electrician. Amen? Who God created you to be. Amen? So, 
the tendency to measure ourselves against others and their achievement is always very present but very foolish. Don't look at somebody else's life. God is not going to judge you by what others are doing. You will be judged by what you were called to do in this life. If I am called to be a teacher and a preacher of the gospel, and I go and become a businessman, I will be judged. Because that is not what God has called me. I was in business, and God called me out when I discovered my identity and purpose in life. Amen? So it's very foolish comparing ourselves with somebody else's life, somebody else's achievements. Amen? And that's what insecurity does in a person. An authentic person is very secure in who he is and what he is called to do. He doesn't compare himself with others or with others' achievements. Amen? I don't measure my success by how many people come to church. All I need to be careful is that I am doing what God called me to do in the season that I am in. And that's true success. The same goes for you. Amen. If we are to find our voice and genuine authority in the Lord, we must resist the temptation of becoming someone else and pursue God in such a way where the Lord makes it clear to us. And believe me, He will when you seek Him and when you seek Him with all of your heart. I found that out. Praise God. I believe that Satan is terrified of authentic believers. Every time and every morning they get up, he's terrified. They are authentic. They are authorized to do what they have been called to do. And the enemy will try everything. If he cannot stop you from being born again and growing in the Lord, he will try to stop you from discovering your own authority. And he does it in so many ways. So many of God's dear children get lost along the way. How? Through distractions. They get distracted. Rather than keeping their eyes on the Lord and pursuing Him and having fellowship with the Spirit and walking with Him daily, they get distracted by what goes on around them. Distractions is a very real temptation. And that's the enemy's works. Either through disobedience, just plain disobedience. Either through pressure, put, people will put pressure on you, even from your own family sometimes or the fear of men. The Bible says that the fear of men brings a snare. I recall my own process of discovery amidst the pressure even from my own family. All of the members of my wife's family were businessmen, wealthy. So when I got married to my wife, my father-in-law, out of his you know, his heart, 
he wanted to put me in business, and he did, and he helped us. But as I began to discover the call of God, there was pressure, even sometimes unspoken pressure, to go into business. And if I had not sought the Lord diligently and fervently, I would have missed my calling. I would have missed my authority in the Lord. What enabled me to hold on despite the pressure was the living Word of God. The Bible says in, I think, Psalm 16, By the words of your lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Folks, you need to come to realize the value of the Word of God inspired by the Spirit of God delivered to you at the right time. So, I was reading the Scriptures one day in prayer, as I would do every day, meditating on them, and I came across these verses. I found myself in the book. (laughs) Just like John the Baptist found himself in the book, I found myself in the Scriptures. If you recall Jesus, every time he did something was to fulfill that which was spoken about him. He healed the sick, though, so that it might be fulfilled. That which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The first time he preached publicly, he took the book of Isaiah. What did he do? He opened it to the place where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and on and on he went. And then he said, This scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He found himself in the book. Every deed, every word that Jesus spoke and done was to fulfill that which was written about him in the Scriptures. And if you're born again and Christ's member of his body, the same goes for you and me. So I'm reading, and I came across Luke the Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, these words were spoken about John the Baptist. But this is the thing. When the Spirit of God is in you, He will take words that are spoken often about someone else and make them your own. And when I read those verses, it's like they jumped out of the page. And God printed them on my heart. And from that day, Onwards, I was not a preacher then. I was not a teacher. I was just a businessman minding my own business. I knew that I knew that I knew that eventually I would end up fulfilling this prophetic word 
that was given to me on that morning. Hmm. Finding our own authority in the Lord and stepping into it, I want you to understand it is a process. It is not an instant thing that happens to you. That promise or that spoken prophetic word was given to me in 1978. I've got it marked in my Bible. Years went by before I stepped into the first phase of my ministry. It took seven years for me to step into the first phase of my ministry as an evangelist. So it's not an instant thing that you jump into your, your divine destiny. God takes us through a process. And that's what I want to talk about next Sunday. The process that God takes us through in order to make us fit for what He has called us to do. You see that? Amen. First comes the promise from God. Then comes the process in which God takes us through in order to refine us, in order to make us fit for the promise. And finally comes the promotion or the fulfillment of what God promised us. The promise, the process, and the promotion. There are three Ps. Maybe you should... Remember it that way. It's easier to remember. The process God takes us through has to do with the renewing of our minds in order to prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as we close the first session, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe that unless a person's mind is being renewed by the Word and the Spirit, he will never discover the perfect will of God for themselves. That's why many believers, they're too lazy to renew their minds, too lazy to study the Scriptures, too lazy to seek God fervently and diligently, and they don't know. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know who they are. When you don't know who you are, it's easy to deceive you. Amen? So, the greatness within can only be released on the outside as we go through a process of renewing our minds. And it is my personal conviction today that the greatest need of the church is the renewing of our minds. Why do I say that? A renewed mind understands God and understands God's language and God's ways of dealing with us. That's why so many people are resisting God's dealings because they think sometimes it's the devil. So they start resisting the devil. I rebuke you. It's not the devil. It's God taking you through a process, disciplining you, humbling you. But if your mind is not renewed, you will not know God's ways or God's methods. And you end up rebelling and resisting and you go around and round and round and round in circles, never going through and reaching your destination. Amen? 
A renewed mind understands the ways of God. It understands who you are in Him, where you're supposed to be, and what God has assigned you to do. So to end up, like Michael said last week, you're not just a pretty face. (laughs) You have a treasure within you that supersedes and exceeds all earthly treasure. Rejoice and seek God. If I could only inspire you to seek the Lord fervently and diligently on a daily basis, as Jeremiah 29 says, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. And when you find God, you find yourself in the book. The Bible says every day of your life was recorded in God's book before one came to pass, before you even existed. I wonder, which chapter of that book are you in at present? Amen? Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for the wonderful treasure, the treasure chest that you've deposited within us when we accepted Christ. That treasure, Lord, is none other than the risen, glorified Christ. As Paul said through the Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We thank you. Help us. Teach us how to express and release this glorious treasure that you've deposited within us. Not for our own benefit, Lord, but for the benefit of others, for the benefit of our friends, for the benefit of our family members, for the benefit of our work colleagues, wherever we go, to release the fragrance of Christ. And we thank you for your assistance, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.